Hey, welcome this morning. It is good to be in church. Just turn to the person next year. Say, um, say you're amazing. If you're an introvert, um, just look the other way. Just pretend you didn't see them. Because I know that this, that point in the service is the bit that you look forward to the most. Uh, good to be in the house this morning with you guys. And... Um, we are starting a new series today for the next month around the goodness of God, so we're believing that God is actually going to just refresh us, revisit us, that our uh, eyes would be lifted up again to the knowledge of His goodness and love over this series, and that we'd have fresh encounters. Who wants a fresh encounter with Jesus? Like we can always do with just a refresh, a revival in our hearts. And so I'm just going to jump into just, I, I had a moment, um, well, it was a series of moments as a young adult that just really marked my life with a sense that, man, I'm not doing life alone, that actually uh, I'm not just an accident, just walking around on the planet, just kind of like waiting for the next thing to happen, that I've got to invent my future, that it's all up to me. Uh, as a, as a um, probably around a 17-year-old, God did, just for a, a period of two or three years over my employment, God just kind of like set me up and I could just look back on this part of my life and go like, God was good. God was good. He was, I was hopeless. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. But God was good. When I was, um, so when I was 17, my final year of high school, uh, I had this friend and, and she had a job interview that um, she wanted to go to, but she wanted like someone to go with her and just to kind of keep her company and encourage her. I don't know. I was like, yeah, I'll go and support you. She did the job interview. Then the interviewer said, hey, why don't you come in and do the interview as well? And so I, um, I was like, okay, I'll just go on and do the interview. And I ended up getting the job. So what a friend, eh? And, and actually, though, what happened was that I saved her a lot of grief because it was actually a sign writing apprenticeship I went into. And uh, within probably a month, uh, the, the small amount of confidence that actually, this is going to be a good testimony, but anyway, the small amount of confidence that I had going into it was destroyed completely. Uh, the guy was actually a really, really hard man, and he, um, yeah, he, he wasn't very nice. Anyway, on the last day of that job, I was at a uh, plastics factory in Christchurch, and I met an artist, totally just out of the blue. met this artist, um, his name was Brian Robertson, and um, we just got talking. He's like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you come and just kind of do an apprenticeship with me? And uh, so I did, and I went from that job to this next job. And this guy took me under his wing, and he taught me everything about chalk art, sign writing, lettering, all this kind of stuff. And he opened my eyes up to the world of commercial art. I loved art. I was into the art scene, really, really passionate. Uh, that was the only thing I went to school for was really to eat my lunch and do art. And 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 so I was. Uh, I just had this great opportunity for about two years there, and then he ran out of work. And so he was like, sorry, Glenn, uh, yeah, it's not going to work out. So I went and knocked on the door at this really cool company in, uh, in Cash and Wall in Christchurch called Chalk Talk. And they said to me, I knocked on the door, and I, the first words were like, oh, we've heard about you. We'd like to employ you. And, and it was just an amazing door that opened for me. It took some courage and some confidence, obviously, to get out of my own world to, to um, you know, like just kind of 
you know, I think I can do it, you know, like the little train that tried to get on top of the hill, you know, I was like, I think I can, I think I can, and because I didn't have heaps of confidence, right, but I just knocked on the door, and the door opened for me, and it, when I looked back on that, I knew that God was saying yes to me, he was saying yes to my life, and like, believe me, at that time in my life, I was not a full-on, like, Holy Ghost, Jesus-loving, you know, like, fully, I would say I would have had you know, a foot in both kind of like in the faith zone, but also in the world zone. I wasn't actually living like super good on the weekends and doing some sort of dumb stuff. But I know that God had his hand on my life. His goodness continually over that period of my life, it just kept reaching in to my lostness. <laughs> he was like, I want to bring some foundness into your lostness. <laughs> and, and so I, he, and he continually did that to me and I love that we sung this morning uh, his goodness is is running after me he's following me in Psalm 23 verse 6 David said surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I like to think I've always thought of actually where the goodness of God is coming through us and as we move through in the goodness of God, we kind of produce this wake behind us of His goodness and mercy, evidence of His hand on our life and His love and His goodness being channeled through us. How about you turn to your neighbor and just say, I want to remind you that God is good over your life. Come on. God is good. He's got plans to prosper you, to not harm you to give you a hope and a future. I've got a, a painting up here um, that, and, and some people will look at that art and go like, what the heck is that? That's stupid. Uh, but you know, this in this painting, um, it's, actually, it's actually called Radiance of Eternity. I just like, randomly found it online. I hope the artist doesn't see me and you know, sue me for showing their art. Anyway, in this painting, there's all these different colors, right? There's all these different kind of tones and there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of brown and gray, and there's a bit of black. <laughs> you know, like all that, it just kind of like on its own, it's just, it's just it, you know, random pieces of like blackness, grayness, and it's just, yeah, yeah you're not going to make an artwork out of just, just a piece of gray. But when you bring the, the parts of this painting together, the browns and the golds and the gray, and there's a little hint of magenta that makes a bit of purple in there, and it just actually creates something beautiful. And I want to just tell someone here today that God is the master artist for your life. He takes all of those bits, the good bits, the bad bits, the tough bits, the, pits, the bits that don't make sense, and He makes something beautiful with them. In Romans 8.28, says, We know in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. He's good. He can do something good with the bad stuff. He could do something good with the stuff that you don't even understand why you're going through at this time. In His hands, He is good. All the time. You know, um, throughout Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees, these guys were like the, you know, they were like the rinky-dinks of the church life. They were the head honchos. They were the, they were the teachers of the law. And um, they, throughout Jesus' ministry, 
they attempted to trap him on numerous occasions. They tried to put him in a corner and just say, oh, no, you're just, you know, what you're doing, it just doesn't make sense. And who, are, who do you think you are? They were like, on, you know, they were like, hey, Jesus, we've got you. <laughs> you're not going to get out of this one. And one example for this I want to talk about this morning is that when this woman who was caught in the act of adultery, like, I don't know what was going on there, but she was caught right in the act, right in the moment where you, don't, you want to be private and all that. And, and she's caught and she's brought to the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisees had been really successful in trapping her, right? And now they were, now they're going to trap Jesus. And I always think one day I'd like to know this woman's real name. Because I think it's a shame that we always refer to her as the woman caught in adultery. Because we've all been caught, you know, out at some time. And anyway, anyway, this is woman, and she's she's gonna she's gonna have her dignity back, right? Or well, she has it back now. And and the Pharisees that that they trapped her, and now they're going to trap Jesus. And and it says in John eight that they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down. And he wrote in the dust with his finger. You think of the Pharisees here. They had a point. They they were upholding the Old uh, Testament law. But at the same time, they had completely missed the intentionality of the law. Mike Bickle says this, All of God's judgments are aimed at whatever interferes with love. All of God's judgments are aimed at what interferes with love. In Galatians 5.14, for, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, one of the primary reasons that Jesus came to this world was to reveal the goodness, the kindness, the love, and the heart of the Father in the worst places. In the places that could be, you know, you disqualified, you can't redeem that, Jesus. And the Pharisees are like, we got you. The law's got you. The Bible's got you. The Old Testament has got you here. But then Jesus comes with this higher law. The higher law. There's a higher law here. And he speaks the truth and love to everyone present. He says, he who has no sin, cast the first stone. And can you imagine the atmosphere shifting in that gathering? They're like, on the front foot, we've got you, Jesus. We've got her and we've got you. This is the law. And then Jesus comes in with a higher law. The conviction that would have hit those guys. And one by one, they left. The grace and the goodness that this woman received at this moment. And he said to her, you know, where are your accusers? Doesn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she says. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's a beautiful picture 
of the goodness of God, the, the perfect revelation of grace and truth that is Jesus, as it says in John 1, 17, I think. And, and I just, I believe that this is a time for the church in this nation and the world to be restored and revived and established and expressing the knowledge of the love and the goodness of, the, of God to this world. And, and in this, first of all, I just want to acknowledge that the concept that God has got overflowing goodness to me can be really difficult right now to some people in this room that's, you know, maybe your circumstances are arguing about how, God, how good God really is. I want to acknowledge that. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that bad things do happen to good people in this world. And, and good things happen to bad people. And, and on that note, though, I want to say that, and we say this a lot, that, that God the Father isn't competing with what Jesus has done on the cross. God does not create sickness uh, to punish us, to afflict us, to discipline us, because there are healing in the wounds of Jesus. Jesus and God aren't doing different, different things. And So, but resting, so on that note, resting in the profound truth that God is good all the time towards me, <laughs> while being in the midst of a circumstance that is not reflecting that, I want to say that it's possible to stay there. It's possible, it takes focus, it takes faith, it takes activated, prayerful intentionality it takes a battle to actually position yourself in God's goodness when actually your circumstances are saying something else and Hebrews 4:11 it says that we have actually got to fight we've got to make an effort we've got to do our best we've got to be diligent to enter into our rest which is like this irony there isn't it because rest is the outcome but man we've got to we've got to lay a hold of it with purposeful diligence and 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 uh, and with passion really so if uh, I want to just kind of lay a little bit of theology out here before we can embrace a new way of thinking or really it's a new way of being um, we need to unseat what has been true to us okay so we can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't be like, oh, God is good all the time, except for this time. <laughs> Paul says it this way. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Come on. <laughs> the thing is, when our mindsets are not governed by the mind of Christ, we're, we could be operating in another mindset that is contrary to what he is, is thinking, what he's doing, and it can become a stronghold in our lives that needs to be dismantled. So what happens when we allow his word and his spirit to, to challenge our assumptions 
is, is that our faith engages with fresh dynamic truth of His nature and we begin to experience the manifestation of His goodness and the knowledge of His goodness in our lives. To be able to fully embrace the nature of God actually requires us to take captive arguments, assumptions, and those things that are contrary to His nature. So like God, like, you know, I started this, this today with this testimony about how God was reaching into my life and that was really amazing. And, you know, His goodness was there and I can look back on a, on a, on a, in this, and I can see the DNA of His hand in my history, right? But my life was in alignment with His goodness. I had to get, I had to actually get over myself, get over some of the things I was thinking about myself and really walk to work and and, and warfare towards acquiring the stronghold of what it means to be a child of God. It just doesn't happen by, like that. That's why Paul wouldn't be writing these things like, you know, the weapons we fight with. You know, like, it's like, it's artillery. It's like a fight. And, and, and so there's this sense of like, purpose that we're called to step up into you know and as the pharisees they dragged this woman before jesus we can see that they had this massive gap in their understanding in regards to the goodness and the grace of god romans 8 i want to sit just sort of settle into romans 8 for a bit and and the rest of this this morning and actually i was listening to nt right recently and he just made this little quip on um on Romans 8, he, he was said, he was asked, if, if you could take one, if you were only allowed to have one book in the Bible, what would it be? And he was like, oh, it's Romans 8. Uh, so, sorry, Romans, the book of Romans. And he was asked, if you could have one chapter in the Bible, what would it be? It'd be Romans 8. Romans 8. One chapter, there's so much in Romans 8. There's so much for us. It's like a watering hole for your soul. If you ever like, I don't know what to read. Go to Romans 8. It's great. Pastor Glenn said so. Anyway, we're going to start right at uh, verse 1 here. I'm going to read all of it. No, we're not. Uh, <laughs> Therefore, there is now no condemnation, condemnation, <laughs> condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And the mode that the, the Pharisees were operating in that day, they were operating from the stronghold of the law, of the law of sin and death. And under this law, the law of sin and death, this is the this this um, is this governs. Sorry, the outcomes are governed and determined by our actions. Sin equals death. Sin, you know, let's just call that missing the mark because that's what it's like an archery term and it means to miss the mark. But this is the law that Jesus delivers us from. When we are in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, so I have the full name here, Christ. Christ means anointed one, the Holy Spirit, the anointing of Christ. When we are in Christ, we are in the anointing. 
Our placement is in Him, and it's no longer, it's not in the law. We're no longer driven with this sin equals death. We're actually in the law of life. So being in Christ brings us into the anointing of the spirit of life. Rejecting everything connected to sin and death. That's what the law of the spirit of life does. It means like I will reject sin and death. I'm no longer under that law. Being in Christ's anointing gives us grace to know and experience the goodness of God in every dimension of our lives. Romans 8, 11 says this, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. See, condemnation, therefore you are no longer condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation wants to trap us into thinking that when bad things happen to us, it's because of us, it's because God's sovereign, and I must deserve this. That is a karma type of reasoning, all right? That is not the law of the spirit of life. And the gospel of Jesus Christ works nothing like karma. You're no longer under this kind of like, I sow, if I sow a mistake, I'm going to reap a harsh consequence. You are now the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And when you fall in sin or when you fall in a mistake, you don't fall to hell, you fall into His righteousness. Just at the right time, Romans 5 says, Christ died for you. You think He just died for you just for your good moments? <laughs> His goodness is rescuing us in our worst moments. Hebrews 8 um, verse 12, for I, for I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. If He can forget your sin, he doesn't remember what you did. If you come to him and said, Lord, I repent, I turn away, I humble myself, I confess my sin. He's like, what sin? What? What are you talking about? If he can forget what we've done, we need to forget what we've done. That's, that's the goodness of God. This is the law of life. If the law of sin and death is operating in our lives, we can just remain chained to our past. We can remain chained to those circumstances, to the regrets, to the pain, to the things that disqualified us back then. And it's kind of like you're attached to a horizontal bungee. You ever seen one of those? And you're like... <gasps> And, it, and you can run free at the start, but then all of a sudden it gets like harder and harder on the other. It's like doing, and you are taken right back to where you were. Because you keep remembering about how bad you were. 
or you keep remembering the trauma. And even actually last Sunday, we were just ministering in this for about an hour with different people. And we were just, you know, this scripture actually, that God forgets our sin. And our, because we've got, a, we've got a logical memory and we've got an emotional memory. And sometimes we can feel the trauma and the pain more than we can actually physically remember it. And God wants to heal us from us. He wants to heal your emotions. The blood of Jesus, right there. The, the lineage, you've, suddenly you're out of the lineage of Adam and you're in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You're a new creation in Him. In Christ Jesus, as sons and daughters of the Spirit, we are now fully aligned with the Spirit of God. And I love that, that He will give life to our mortal bodies. He will give life to our mortal bodies. So that's anything that is opposing life. That is sickness, poverty, negativity, addictions. The Spirit of life is breathing. I just want to look at two ways that God uses to direct His goodness to us. And you, you know this. But just in this, I just want to just like, let's just go, okay, Holy Spirit, where am I missing the knowledge of your goodness? I want to receive your goodness. And I pray, I just pray, let's just pray right now. Father, open the eyes of our heart. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would, we would know you, that we would become more like you. So number one, he directs his goodness to us in the natural. Natural blessings. Like this is okay. It's okay to be blessed in the natural. In fact, it's great. It's fantastic to be blessed financially. It's, this is a good thing. In Psalm 65, David writes this, and, he, and he, he's, he's celebrating God's goodness expressed through creation. The whole earth is filled in awe of your wonders, where morning dawns, where evening fades. You call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. You crown the year with your bounty. Your carts overflow with abundance. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. You know, this is in the natural, that every relationship, every job in this place, that every tree on your property, that the, you know, even the taste of the food, everything that pleases us would actually be something that expresses the goodness of God to our lives. So Lord, we thank you for your provision to us today. We thank you that even in the prayer that you gave us to pray, that we can pray, give us today our daily bread. So I just pray, we pray right now for every family, every person in this room would know the knowledge of your goodness through income streams, through relationship connections, through the blessing of your favor over their lives. In Jesus' name. The second way, there's probably more. I'm a pretty simple guy, so I've just got two ways. 
<laughs> this supernatural intervention. I remember I was in church one day, this is probably as a 20-year-old, and I was, I was struggling with jealousy at this time, just being real. And there was a guy that was sitting about three or four rows in front of me, he's a big guy, good-looking guy, intelligent guy, and I was like, you suck. <laughs> and in that moment, the Holy Spirit, just as I said, you suck in my heart, the Holy Spirit just did something so supernatural. I didn't invite him to. He, he showed me the ugliness of my heart. And in the same moment, he healed me. He healed me from jealousy and pride. And I just ended up, I was, on the, I was just on the floor crying my heart out because I got a glimpse of the purity of Jesus Christ as he set me free and he washed me of this horrible thing that had been tormenting me for years when I was when I just compare myself with people all the time and it was a demonic tormenting thing and I was just supernaturally set free in a moment I wasn't doing anything good I was doing something bad I didn't deserve that I didn't deserve his grace but just at the right time Christ died for me and he supernaturally set me free in that moment you know, I was, as I said, I wasn't doing anything good in that moment. And we don't get the good things from God because of our good behavior. We receive good things from God, from God because of His goodness towards us and our placement in Him. If God is for us, Romans 8, then who can be against us? And it goes on to say, nothing can separate us from His love. Even you trying to be against yourself. Like I was like, he's like, no, no, no. Let my goodness come in. In Acts 27, Paul is, I just read this this week and I was like, I've got to include this in my word. <laughs> Paul's a prisoner on a boat. It's in a massive storm. Paul, before they got on the boat, Paul had given the, the, the crew this um, instructions that you know it was going to end in disaster if they sailed and but they were like well Paul was a prisoner and like well you're the prisoner I'm not listening to you so they took him on the boat and then this so this the boat encountered the storm and they'd been in the storm for two weeks no one had eaten it was a very desperate situation and he said this on the on like day 14 I beg you eat some food You'll need it in order to survive. And not even a hair on your heads will be lost. After saying this, Paul took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, broke it, and began to eat. There were 276 people on board uh, that boat when it hit a sandbar and broke up, but everyone made it to shore alive. And I love that story because right in the middle of a really distressing encounter, a fearful, turbulent place, a wild place, a place that Paul hadn't put himself into, he's like, let's have communion. Let's break bread. Let's give thanks to God that He is good and He can deliver us. <coughs> Bad things can happen to good people. Psalm 107, he delivered them from their distress. 
He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. You know, the Father comes to rescue us in our place of distress, in our storm. He hasn't created the storm for you, but he's come to rescue you in the middle of the storm. I want to tell someone today that the Father has your back. He's plotting to do you good. (laughs) You are the object of his affection. I am running out of voice. Just to dial this right back. Receiving God's goodness happens because of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, you know this chapter, you know some verses in this chapter. The context though is that Jesus is talking to a Pharisee called Nicodemus and Jesus is saying to him, hey, no one, no one can see or enter into the kingdom of, of God unless they're born again. And this is like totally like... Whew. For Nicodemus, he's like, what the heck are you talking about? He says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb. (laughs) But he's like, this is just so confounding here that I would need to be born again. And then, then Jesus points back to this random story of when Israel is in the wilderness and Moses is leading them and and, and they're sinning and mucking up and, and God sends a plague of venomous serpents into their camp and, <clears throat> and they come into their camp and they attack people and people are being poisoned with the venom and they cry out to God, God, save us. And then God says to Moses, to put an iron serpent on a pole and let them look at it. And, and as they do that, <clears throat> everyone's healed. And then Jesus says this to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent on a pole, I will be lifted up and I will save you. All you've got to do is look at me and you'll be healed. You'll be saved. Look at me. Look at me and receive my goodness. You don't have to crawl. You don't have to do a hundred push-ups. You don't have to do all these good things before I'll save you. Jesus says to us, when you just look at me, you don't have to do anything else. Just look. You will be saved by grace through faith. Just use your faith and look at me. I just wonder if we could have the keyboardist or the band, some musos. Anybody? <laughs> it's going to come back to Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is your master artist. He works all things together for good. And I believe for some people here, it's a turnaround season. It's a turnaround time 
It's a time to experience the goodness of God in new, exciting, creative ways. It's a time to allow Him into your imagination again, to dream with God, to dream with the Spirit of God, to let Him awaken the call and the purpose that He has for your life. It is a good, good purpose. So we're going to receive communion just, just now. And in doing this, first of all, we're just going to recognize that we are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And maybe you're feeling a bit like Paul, and it's a storm, and it's crazy. The conditions when you walk out this building, it's just wild. It's just like, what the heck am I doing? Now's a good day for you to just, well, this moment's a good day for you to break bread and give thanks that He is with you in the storm. Let's just pray just before we receive communion. Jesus, we thank you for your body broken and your blood poured out for our lives. And we thank you and in doing this that we are no longer under the old covenant. We thank you that we are in the law of life, the law of the Spirit, the law of love. And we celebrate and honor your goodness today. <coughs> and today we thank you for the channels of blessing being open to us. We thank you for your vision and your affection on our lives today. We say yes to natural blessings, to supernatural encounters, to the awakening of, of dreams, Lord, and visions in our lives. And we say yes to aligning our life with you today in Jesus' name. Amen. You can receive communion right now. Let's just stand right now.
Thank you, Jesus. Maybe just open your hearts right now. Just lift your hands to the Holy Spirit. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We just thank you for your deliverance. We thank you for freedom in this place. Thank you. We thank you for sonship and daughtership that we are adopted in. We honor you and we bless you this morning, Jesus.